Welcome to episode two, Streets and Scholars with Alex Alonso and FG. And man, how you feeling? Oh, I'm pretty good. How you doing today? Um, I'm doing pretty good, man. So what do you think so far? Um, what's the reaction from episode one? We're only two episodes in now. Yeah, yeah, but I'm getting some good reactions, man. It's Is that right? Like they like it, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, of course, you know, you're going to have everybody have an opinion. So, you know what I mean? But we're getting some good remarks from people. Yeah, um, I think that our largest reaction was on that Snoop Dogg, whether or not he went too far. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> I know that was the, you know what I mean? And, and don't get me wrong, you know, the Crips was on my head about it. But at the thing about it is if they just really paid attention to what I was saying. I was just basically saying, you know, if you're talking about the youth, talking about deterring them from crime, you know, um, but I did have a question real fast before we get off that topic. If you're watching the Super Bowl with your 10-year-old son, and when he throw up the two crib signs, your 10-year-old son emulates him and throw up two crib signs while y'all watching the game, I mean, what would you say to him? Yeah, I'd have to pull him to the side and just let him know, uh, don't take this serious. Yeah. I, to me, it's all about, it's all theatrics. It's right, all right, about... Right corporations it's all about branding yeah, yeah it's all about catering to his base and at the end of the day you gotta it's all about money yeah no doubt but that's yeah. all i was saying yeah you know what i mean you know i had a lot of comments <laughs> <laughs> hey some people were mad at me that i, I was giving him a pass uh yeah you know he's also mad that you about to talk about mary j man you can't uh, <laughs> hey man I got nothing negative yeah, to say right, about Mary right, J. Yeah, I like old Mary J. <laughs> She's the yeah. queen of hip hop yeah, soul. Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, well, let's get into. Well, before we get into some of the topics that I wanted to talk to you about today, FG, uh, I want to go through some fact checks from last week. Let's do it. And you were absolutely right. Uh, Joe Theismann did win a Super Bowl. He won Super Bowl seventeen. It was played on January thirtieth, nineteen eighty three. And that was the the strike shortened season of '82. Yeah. And they beat the Miami Dolphins 27-17, and they only played nine games that, that season. season. Yeah. Um, a lot of times when we have these strike seasons, the, those championships aren't considered real championships. Well, yeah. Some people put an asterisk <laughs> yeah. by them, you know. But you know what? They also went on the very next season to go to the Super Bowl. But they got smashed by the Los Angeles Raiders. I mean, like 39. Uh, oh, they got smashed. So that would have been... 84. Is that right? Yeah, so, yeah. Marcus Allen and them took it to them the very next year. So that would have been here in L.A. Right? I was here in L.A. Yeah, because they had already been in L.A. They left Oakland by that time, I believe. Yeah, they were here in Los Angeles. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And um, your boy John Riggins was the MVP of that Super Bowl. He rushed for 166 yards, which was... Um, I think it was considered... Um, a record at the time, but that record has um, since been broken. But yeah, you was right about that. Joe Theismann did win. Um, Odell Beckham, an update on him. He tore. He did definitely tore his ACL. They're blaming it on the turf. Yeah, they are blaming it on the turf. I mean, I watched it, and it's, it's it was nothing but the turf. You know, from my perspective, from what I saw. Uh, but I hope he can get you know get his rehab going back and get back out there on that field. I mean, that's a devastating injury, but. Hopefully, he can get back out there, hopefully by next year, but they're saying it may be longer than that. Yeah, I don't think he is going to make the beginning of the season. In fact, this is the same – this is the second ACL. I know he was hurt before, but I didn't know what it was. His first ACL was in 2020, mm -hmm. and now he's got a second ACL in the same knee. Same knee? Same knee. Oh, that's ugly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, hey, man, I, I wish for Odell Beckham for a speedy recovery. Do you know how old he is? 
I think no, I don't. I don't okay. know his exact age, but yeah, yeah, recovering yeah. from one ACL is tough enough. Yeah, yeah. So he did. This is his second one. You think he can bounce back? Um, it all depends. That's why I was asking how old is he? Because sometimes when you get a little up in age, you know those injuries they linger, and it's harder for them to you know recover. But if he's and I know he's been in the, the league quite a you know quite a few years, you know, but he still may be recovered. These guys are strong athletes, man, and the. The um the willpower and determination that I see with him on the football field, if he got that same will and determination for rehab, I, hey, he might pull it off. Well, he was born in November of '92, so that'll put him that at 29. 29. He'll be yeah, 30 this yeah. year. Yeah, so that's a little up there from football years. So, but it's still doable. Yeah, well, I remember Kobe co- tore his on the court. I think he was about 36, 37, um, and his was. Uh, not a physical injury. He just moved a certain mm-hmm. kind of way, and boom, tore yeah, it. Yeah. Um, man, I don't, it's tough. I don't. I don't know if he'll be a hundred percent ever. Man. Yeah, you're right. Two ACLs um, within. Actually, it's the second ACL within eighteen months, because he got mm. his in uh, in twenty twenty. Was that close? You yeah. did say twenty twenty twenty. So uh, and a lot of um, a lot of his his colleagues, a lot of other players in the NFL are starting to not want to play on the turf. Yeah. You think they'll ever just get rid of the turf? You know what? Ever since they brung it in, you know, because even when they brought it in, some teams kept grass, you know, and 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 it seemed like I don't know if the NFL, you know, mandated it or just and then everybody went to turf, you know. Is every team in the NFL turf? That I don't know. Okay, I think it's still a couple grass teams out there, but um, um, that turf is something that caused a lot of injuries, Alex. Yeah. Well, it may, it may it may have ended Odell Beckham's career. We'll find out. Uh, you know, if we'll, we'll just hope for a speedy recovery. But man, two ACLs within an eighteen month period—that's um, tough to come back from. Yeah. All, All right. right. Um, another thing, I remember we were talking about how many how many games were in the season, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't know this, but they added an NFL game to the to the season starting 2021 they had to because when it was season 18 i'm like how did it get i mean a game 18 i'm like how did it get to game 18 and you only had one bot so they had to add a 17th game yeah well it's um it used to be 16 games with a buy so it was 17 it weeks was 17 weeks yeah so now it's 18 weeks so that means uh, they added a game in 2021 which means now that there's it's an odd number of games. It's 17 games, right? Yeah. Yes. It's 17 games as of 2021, but it's an 18-week season. Right. I didn't even realize they added a game. Well, you the- know what? I've seen them when it said week 18, and it still didn't click in my mind that they added a game. You know, but you would have had to because you still you only get one uh, bye week. Yeah, they slipped that one in on me. And in order to make it to the Super Bowl, you have to win. Well, you ha- you have to play 21 games. Yeah, that's it's 21 games. Um, and that's four more than the 1972 Miami Dolphins um, when they went undefeated. Right. 17-0 and 0 in 1972. Now you got to go 21-0. and 0. And the question is, in today's NFL, can a team go undefeated? Can you go 21-0? and 0? You can't go 21-0, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you this, what I do think. I think if a team went 18-0, and 0, they should be able to get that record from the Dolphins. That's what I do believe. They shouldn't have to go 21-0 and 0 in order to – beat the record even though I know it was an undefeated season but it should be some kind of something after we won 18 games that you know 
if we went 18 and no, it's, it's up for argument. Just put it like that. It should be. You're going to have to take that up with, uh, <laughs> with Don Shula. And right, right. They're going to fight to, yeah. you know, they ain't going for it. But it's it's been difficult to, to go 18 and 0, yeah. 19 and 0. No, any of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's still amazing that Miami did it, even though it was 17 games. Um, no, it's a feat. Yeah. It's a feat. Uh, I do think a team will be able to do it. 21 and 21 and 0. Um, That's a lot of games. Well, see, this is the thing about it. You also, like you say, they played on grass back then. Now we factor in the turf with players getting hurt. These guys are bigger, stronger, and faster, so the hits are that much harder. You know, every other week a player is out with a concussion. That's why I don't think they can do it. It's, it'll, it'll take a miracle to do it because even back then when they had a concussion, they didn't even notice it. And the guy got right back in the game or played the very next week. It wasn't no protocols or none of that. So, which the protocols are good for the NFL and the players, but you didn't have that back then. So, you didn't have a star player like Aaron Donald having to sit out or, you know, certain things like that. So, I think those things will play a factor um, with, with, with people going uh, full season without a loss. Yeah, you know, a lot of players were against the NFL changing the regular season from 16 to 17 games because of the injuries. Yeah. You know, that's one more game that we got to deal with our health. Yeah. But the um, the the union made the, the deal too good to say no to because mm-hmm. they're getting more money. Right, right, right. What, 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 would you, what, what do you side on? Get more money and I'll, I'll go play another game? Or no, I don't want to risk my health. Well, the thing about it is at some point, you know, a lot of these guys are making millions of dollars. And I know the almighty dollars, what all athletes, you know, they love the game as well, but they still want their money. But just to risk so much, and, you know, that's a brutal sport, you know, and, and, and I believe that um, it shouldn't be, you know, just based on, you know, the health issues, you know. But, uh, of course, we love to see more football. Come on, man. <laughs> yeah. We're going to turn down another game, you know. But... um even like the All-Star, I mean, the uh, Pro Bowl now. I mean, they do no hitting in the Pro Bowl. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really used to be like a real pretty much game where they, you know, got physical. But, you know, these, like I say, these guys are so big and strong that, that even one, that one extra game is a lot on their body. Well, the players were against it. This was all done by the NFL and the owners. And when I was reading this, I'm like, wow, you guys are really treating these players like, like they're your slaves, yeah, like they commodities. You yeah, know what I mean, and 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 um, and and I know people gonna get mad at. It. I said use the word slaves because they're getting paid millions of dollars. Right, 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 right. But at the end of the day, they did not want to play more games. No, they did. And I seen the articles where they, you know, they man, we don't want to play another game. Um, I seen the articles where guys hate to play on that Thursday game when they added the Thursday game. It was a lot of players against that, you know, because you playing on Sunday, then your body haven't recovered, and you have to come back and play on Thursday. So, but at the end of the day. Like you say, these guys are signing up for this. They want to go there to stay dream. So uh, what do you do? I guess you got to play the game. Got to play that game. Run, nigga, run. <laughs> I mean, that's really the way the NFL is treating them. That's the way I see it. No, nah, no doubt. Okay. Um, yeah. Last week we we mentioned when we were talking about uh, Snoop Dogg uh, being crept out on, during the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, I recalled Serena Williams actually crypt walk. It was actually during the Olympics when she won the gold medal is when she crypt walked. Yeah, Yeah. I thought it was another time. It wasn't Wimbledon. It wasn't the U.S. Open. It was during the Olympics when she dusted Maria Sharapova. Yeah, I remember Sharapova. She was was good. Yeah. Yeah, she was around for a while, too. She was good. She gave uh, Serena hell on a lot of those courts. 
you know, because I used to always watch Serena. Serena brought us, and her and Venus brought us into tennis, you know. I love so, Serena, actually. Yeah, yeah, so I, so I championed them every chance I got to watch them, you know. And um, what was funny is that when she was asked by the mainstream media, you know, what were you doing? What was that dance? She really didn't want to explain yeah, what yeah, she was doing. Yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a quote here that says, um, actually, there's a name, but I don't know if it's inappropriate uh, it's just the dance we do in California. <laughs> right, right. But you know what, though? For me, I was more or less like, yeah, this arena. You know what I mean? Just to be honest with you, just based on, because we all know tennis is a sport not for African Americans. You know, so to me, it was more or less like, you know, she brought she brought us in with her. You know, basically, I'm not, a, you know, a, a, a crip or nothing like that. But it's just when she did it, I was like, I get it, girl. You know what I mean? Like, you know. Shit. Yeah, I was I was um I don't remember how I felt back in 2012, but I know the way I feel now. Um it, I'm not offended or bothered by it, and I'm a huge Serena Williams fan. I actually think Serena Williams is a beautiful woman. A lot of people think she's too masculine or mm -hmm. she's too big. I think she's fine. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. I, I'm I'm a big supporter of her and uh we've never seen her crypt crip walk since though. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when you're in that big money, you got them big sponsors, and they find out what it is. You know, it, it's it's all. But that lets me know when she at the house or she with her folks, you know, she'll break it down. You know what I mean? That's what it did let me know. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Because you had to, you had to, you had to practice it a few times in order to know how to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And she did it really yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. So it that really wasn't good. her first time. You know what I mean? Definitely. Shit. All right. Um, we also uh, touched on um, Eminem using the n-word last week and let me just say i don't like saying the word nigga and i said run nigga run because it's in context of the point i'm trying to make about mm -hmm. the way the nfl owners treat treat the athletes but in general i don't like saying nigga but if it's to make a point i will say it but eminem did use the word in a 1993 tape that came out in 2003 so it took 10 years mm -hmm. well actually eminem it didn't take 10 years. It only took uh, about three or four years because Eminem blew up around 99. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, 99. So in 2003, this tape surfaced of him not only saying nigga, but he had a lyric in a song that said, all the girls I like to bone have big butts. No, they don't. Because I don't like that nigga shit. Mm -hmm. I'm just here to make a bigger hit. And then he also said, black girls only want your money because they're dumb chicks. And I remember he took a lot of heat for this. He apologized profusely. I don't remember that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Benzino from the Source magazine is the one that really um, put, put it out there. Yeah, he pushed this back in 2003. Yeah. And to this day, I heard Benzino on Clubhouse literally about a week ago, and he was still pushing a line on Eminem. Mm. He's still bothered by what Eminem said. He still doesn't understand how everyone gave him a pass. Swept it under the rug. Yeah, but... Um, I think that was some crazy stuff Eminem said in the... Nah, I never the, knew it. Nah, I never heard that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it, it definitely... Um, but see, that's the thing about it. You know, like we say with all, you know, people, they get that. They get um, to somewhere where they at and it's something you said or something you did. That's where credibility comes in at. You know? And, and maybe he never thought he was going to be big enough for nobody to hear it. I don't know. But... Um, I had never heard of this, and I never heard the song, actually, but, uh, I mean, I definitely believe this was done, no doubt, and it do make you look at a person a little different, you know? It does, because at least in the late 80s, in, in 1988 is when he said the, the black girl comment, mm -hmm. and in 1993, five years later, is when he said the nigga comment. 
Uh, he didn't blow up until 98, 99. And like you said, he probably didn't know he was going to become as big as right, he became. Right, right, right. And it does let you know someone's at, at least their state of mind during 88 to 93. No doubt. Now, can a, can a guy change? Sure. You know, a guy can change. But do we really know to what extent the to change extent. actually occurs? You no, know? no doubt. So just for those who were unaware, yeah, Eminem went in on black girls <laughs> too. So, um, but last week when we talked about Joe Rogan using the word, we were talking about how the money so, there's so much money behind him with that Spotify deal, a <laughs> hundred million dollars. But guess what? It's actually a two hundred million dollar deal for three years. Damn. He has a two hundred million dollar deal for three years. So that means that he's making. Um, a lot. Let's divide that uh, by three. Uh, let's say, uh, what's that? About 60-something million dollars a year on, on his podcast deal. He's making more money per Almost year 70. than yeah. a professional athlete. Yeah. So um, I don't think anything's going to happen to Joe Rogan. I really don't. And uh, as you can see, Eminem is pretty much uh, embraced by right, the black right. community to this day. Look at yeah. You know, he's on stage with Dre. Right. Um, what do you think about, you know... When when people have this type of history in there, because check it out, you are on, you are here with me doing this podcast. You are now known because somebody had a bad history, right? A bad history that some will have a difficult problem trying to forgive. No doubt, trying to sweep it under the rug. Yeah. you know, I would say the, the issue with you is far more. Uh, consequential than someone using the n-word but nevertheless they have a history Nah, no doubt and you got to look at that you know what i mean and you got to take it serious and you gotta you know and that's the problem with 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 with, with people in general you know it's like some stuff they just sweep under the rug and some stuff they stand on forever you know and it seemed like i would have heard this everywhere you know what I mean? This should have blew up. This should have really been to the forefront of what's going on, you know, by you being a, a, a white rapper coming into, you know, the demographics of hip hop, which we run. You know what I mean? So um, somebody should have been putting to the test. I mean, you know, he was under Dre and them at the end. They, you know, it seemed like they knew. I'm sure they knew, you know, who spoke to him about it or who said something to him about it. But the line should have been pressed harder on that issue. Well, I think that uh, his apology was enough for those who worked with him. There's a, uh, a Detroit rapper named Royce the Five Nine. Yeah. He's black. Right, right. He's right. actually on stage with Eminem many times uh, after this incident. And he is obviously forgiven Eminem, so I, I think that the 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 apology and being a sincere apology, I guess it does go a certain way, you know. Well, let me ask you this: Did he have to uh, apologize to the main public, and you know, Royce Five Nine and all his close buddies that he hung up hung out with knew, you know, he said this word, or they allowed him to say the word? See, I don't know the background on. May you never know. They might have allowed him. They might have felt so comfortable with him that. They felt like he was cool like that. I don't know. No, you, they def, Royce the Five Nine is definitely comfortable with Eminem using the word, but when this came to the forefront, I think Eminem maybe have has reevaluate his use of the word because yeah. he, he doesn't say it anymore. Right, 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 right. You know? But I mean, he had to once he got bigger, he had to get that apology to the you know, like I say, to the main public. But in his eyes, he might have wasn't doing nothing wrong because his peers allowed him to do it. You know, and. That's where it should have got checked at if it was going to get checked with your peers, you know. Well, that's a Detroit thing then. 
The, yeah. the Detroit, you know, I don't really know the ins and outs of how they handled it in right, Detroit. Right, 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 right. But I did hear a brother come on Clubhouse that was from Detroit, mm-hmm. and he said, look, we know all about Eminem's history, but look, the brother atoned for it already. He apologized to us, and it was good enough for us. Yeah. He said it should be good enough for y'all. And then this one dude said, well, that, it ain't good enough for the whole world. Right, right, That's right. y'all, you know. But how far will an apology go for you? For example, you had to go to the feds. Mm-hmm. You were sentenced to a decade. Would an apology from the people responsible or the person responsible for that, would that make any change for you? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't do nothing for me. Wow. Wouldn't even want to hear it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would be disappointed at you doing it. You know what I mean? Because you, do, as far as you went to do this, man, there ain't no apology that could be accepted. You know? So, um... I mean, it's been 20, it 20 plus years. Yeah, it don't matter. You know what I mean? You know, you you, you, you got to you gotta understand that, you know, um, people got to be held accountable for their actions one way or another. You know what I mean? I was held accountable for mine because I was dealing drugs, you know? So, at the end of the day, you know, um, um, I had to... Now, I did have to apologize to my kids, and I'm holding something... And they didn't just take it... At first, like, you know, they didn't want to accept it. Like, look, man, you left us out here. So, you know what I mean? My situation to my kids was different from somebody doing, you know, what they did in order to get me where I was at. So, apology would never be accepted. Wow. That's pretty deep. Yeah. Um, I will come back to you with that question maybe in 10 years and see if you still feel the same way. Okay. Because as time goes on, um, I, do, I think we do change. <clears throat> um, but I understand 100% how you feel about that. Um, but apparently Eminem apologized and all is good now. So, so yeah, uh, let's get into our uh, first topic, man. And I really, I really liked our conversation last week we had about the no knock warrant because you gave us some perspective on what it's really like when the police come to your door, when they knock on your door and they're coming to take you away. Man, that's crazy, man. You know, because everything is going through your head. You know, and especially, I mean, if you robbed a bank recently or you did something, you know, recently, then you kind of know what they might be here for. But if you out doing dirt all over, you know, you don't know which angle they coming from. So you really, really want to know what are they here for? You know what I mean? Because you instantly thinking, what charge am I, you know, is it robbery? Is it murder? Is it, you know what I mean? What what did I, what am I being charged with? You know, so um, it's definitely something that, um... If you haven't been through, man, it's, 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 it's a wild ride. Now, is it true that when the police are actually physically knocking on your door, you already know that's the police because of the way they hit the door? Man, let me tell you something. <laughs> I was in there knocked out sleep. You know, I had just got home at 5 in the morning. I remember it like it was yesterday. And uh, maybe about 6, you know what I mean? Um, the way they knocked on that door, it was no doubt. <laughs> That this was the po- no doubt, you know what I mean, and 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 you, in your mind, you, oh, that's the police, you know. No one else knocks like that, you know, and um and um. So yeah, man, it's it's something um surprising. Okay, well, Amir Locke was recently killed in Minneapolis, Minnesota, because of a, a no knock warrant, and right now the police officer that killed him, let's let's put his name out there. His name is Mark Hanneman. And according to the Minneapolis Police Department, they're saying he violated Minneapolis police policy by shooting and killing him once they did the no-knock warrant. Now, I don't really know the specifics of it, mm-hmm. but they all have, they have an attorney. The family has an attorney. Um, Amir Locke's family has an attorney. Of course, it is the... The legendary Ben Crump, who is known for taking on, you know, I think he was on the Breonna Taylor case mm-hmm. uh, a couple years ago. 
So it looks like the Ben Crump is going to sue the city of Minneapolis and the Minneapolis Police Department, and he's going to also name police officer Mark Hanneman for the shooting. Although I don't really know any specifics, Ben Crump is calling for the termination of Mark Hanneman. Yeah, they also uh, they called him for the termination, but his mom and while she was, I think, I believe her name was uh, Karen, Karen Wells. She was um, in her eulogy. She was stating that. Um, she want to ban the uh, no-knock raids, you know, ban them all together, you know. So um, hopefully they can get that done. Hopefully they can get this officer fired, you know. But they have to do something because if they don't, then guess what? The next no-knock raid, what's going to stop the next officer from shooting the next guy, you know? And all they have to do is see a gun or say, you know, guy probably didn't even reach for his gun or nothing because when you do that no-knock, the door fly over so fast, you know, even if it was an intruder. You know, it's hard to recuperate while you sleep, you know, jump up while you sleep and grab your gun and point it and do what you got to do, you know. So um, these are trained law enforcement. You know, you guys are know what you're doing. You guys are know what you're up against. Once these guys, and, and this is happening across the country, and until Ben Crump and other attorneys start not just the lawsuits but getting these dudes locked up, you know, charges filed against these guys, it's going to keep happening. Well, to Ben Crump's defense, he's a civil rights attorney. In order for charges to come against Officer Mark Henneman, it would have to be the county where the city of Minneapolis is at. They have to decide that this guy did something that was so egregious that we're going to file charges. Or if they don't, then the federal government can come in and try to sue, I mean, um, try to file a, a charge, either a murder or a manslaughter charge against Mark Henneman. Right. At this point, it's up in the air. Uh, I believe they'll make some progress on it, you know, and uh, sometimes it take time. Of course, they got to do the investigation. You know, they got to talk to their big wigs, you know, what kind of officer uh, was this? Did he have any prior incidents that's on his on his record that we don't know as a public, you know? So I think all those factors going to take into consideration because at the end of the day, you know, uh, uh, like you say, the attorneys is pushing for the body cams of each officer that was involved. You know, they want to see exactly what happened to see if your story exactly matching what you see. And when, if they can obtain them, them uh, recordings, then they can look at it. And if it's one discrepancy in there, that's, that's, that could be the first way of getting him out of there, you know, as an officer. Well, the county is Hennepin County, where the city of Minneapolis is at. Officer Hanneman is on administrative leave, and according to Ben Crump, he does have a history of violating people's civil rights. We don't know the specifics of that just yet, but it's not looking good for uh, Officer Mark Hanneman. And I just I thought that initially I thought that it would probably be a legal shooting because the dude had a gun, right? And what are you gonna do as a cop when you see somebody with a gun? Cop shoot automatically they, they don't really try to figure it out they just they see a gun they, they, to me they're so scared as soon as they see a gun they start shooting that's not in all instances you know because how many of these serial killers these white serial killers you know and that's what's what it is they kill a whole 16 people and they walk them into the police officer station like it's nothing it seemed like a whole bunch of these dudes is doing these mass murders they sure can't catch them with an ar-15 and walk them in, into the um, police station, you know, why aren't our people, you know, uh, uh, afforded the same same um, um, deal? Yeah, you're right. Sometimes I'm, I'm surprised and shocked that some of the people they take into custody without incident. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Um, hey, 
when your skin is not white, they say it ain't right. <laughs> so I, I think it all boils down to our skin color, man. No doubt. No there's, doubt. There's a bias that cops have, and they're, I believe they're trained like that. You know, they're trained to to react a certain way to people of color, and it's it's supported within the law. I mean, they can shoot you. I mean, I'm still I'm still not over them shooting and killing Tamir Rice, who was the 12 year old kid Man. that was in the park with a toy gun. He had a toy gun, and right. then the the person that called 911 said. Oh, he's playing with a toy gun. So it wasn't like they didn't know. Like they didn't and as know, soon as he man. came, if you look at this video, as soon as the cops pull up, within 10 seconds, they jumped out and shot him. They didn't even... They didn't try to do no investigation. They didn't try to talk him down. They didn't try to... You know, and he definitely wasn't pointing and aiming it at him. You know what I mean? So that was some BS right there, man. Yeah, they just got a call, but they knew he had a toy gun. At least they were warned he had a toy gun. Uh, so I'm still not over the Tamir Rice. And those cops to this day, I don't think anything has ever happened to those cops at all. So um, let's see if we get some justice for Amir Locke. If that shooting was truly a violation of his civil rights, because I don't want to just say it was because there's a lot of information we don't have. Right, right. Um, we haven't seen the body cam footage. I'm sure the cop is going to say that he pointed it at him. Of course. And of course, he's gonna. that'll be his justification for shooting. And who knows? Um, maybe as a, I know if if someone's busting in the door and I got right, my right, gun, right. by instinct, yeah, I'm, in, instinct I'm aiming. Right. So right? That, that, I mean that could be true, but at the same time, the body cams will tell it all. Yeah, and the body cams need to match the police report. Okay. Lastly, before we move on to the next topic, I just found this tweet by Ben Crump, the attorney that's suing. He's suing the family. He says here that the officer Mark Hanneman, who killed Amir Locke, has a history of violating people's civil rights. In 2020, he illegally searched a man who wasn't the target of a warrant and he was never disciplined, the unconstitutional actions of the Minneapolis Police Department is disturbing. And uh, he has a little video along with this tweet. So obviously Ben Crump is on the case. He is researching everything about this cop. And he already found something that he did in 2020 that is a violation of the rights of whoever this unidentified person is. I think he's going to find out more. <laughs> And the thing about it is what they may do is just fire this guy just to get him. Okay, he's fired. You know, leave it alone. But being Crump not going to stop with that. You know what I mean? He's going to turn over every stone he can over there. And he's going to get to the bottom of something. You know, so um, from what I hear about the guy, he's really thorough. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't think they're going to fire him because if they fire him, that almost start that, that admits, admits guilt, guilt by the city. And that makes them even more liable for whatever payment they're going to have to pay out to the family of Amir Locke. So sometimes these these departments will ride with the guy. You know, they'll ride with him. They'll put him behind the desk, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but they're not going to terminate him just yet. Well, we'll see. We'll see. It's still early in the investigation right. and we'll keep we'll keep y'all up to date on the case uh, for Amir Locke. But um let's move on to this other case, man, because this is really interesting, man. These two brothers from from right here in LA, mm -hmm. from from not too far from where we're at right now. Mark Lamont Powell, 21 years old, and Kai McGee, 18, were sentenced to 140 months in federal prison for this brazen daytime robbery they did in Beverly Hills, where, um, I don't know if you saw the video of it, but there's some, there's like some grainy yeah, video yeah, of them yeah, running. Yeah, seen it, yeah. Apparently, they put a gun to the head of a dude, mm -hmm. took his $500,000 watch, mm -hmm. they got into a little scuffle, somebody busts, a woman got hit. Mm -hmm. And um, they got away, but eventually they got caught, and they were just sentenced to 144 months. Um, 
what do you think is going on through the, two, the, the the minds of these two guys? These guys were much younger than you were no doubt. when you got popped. You were already like 30, right? Yeah, I was 31. You were 31. A uh, 21-year-old and an 18-year-old, they're on their way to do uh, almost uh, a little bit more time than you were sentenced to. Uh, no doubt. Uh, well, the thing about it, they probably was first worried about, about the lady getting shot. Once they found out that that was a factor, then that takes the you know, robbery to a different level. Now, the thing about it, by them only getting 12 years, it could be said that, or they could have argued that during the scuffle of the, for the gun, because they, you know, they also left the gun at the scene in the scuffle. During the scuffle of the gun, the gun could have went off, and that's when they shot the lady, and that's not intentional. You know what I mean? And um, they probably told the guy you know, that, that, that was losing his watch that probably was a dumb move. You know, you could have lost your life, you know what I mean, to watch as much more than your life. But that probably was their first instinct. Once they probably figured out that, okay, the gun allegation or the shooting, the woman allegations wasn't going to be, wasn't going to stick. Now we're dealing with a robbery. You're dealing with a robbery which still only carry three, five, six, seven years on a robbery by itself. The gun is going to be an automatic 60 months in the feds, you know. So that's how they do it. A lot of people don't know if you walk in the bank with a note, Three to five years. Without a gun? Without a gun, no wow. doubt. Three to five years. It's the gun that's going to give you the 60 months. And depending if you don't really have a record, you're going to get the 60 months for the gun. You're going to get the three, four years for the for the actual robbery. And then you're going to come with, with um, nine, eight, nine, ten years, you know, to the feds. And uh, so that's why. Um, but my thing is this. How did it go federal? That is a, yeah, that is a great question. I don't know why it went federal. This is a robbery in Beverly Hills at a restaurant. <laughs> yeah. And um, I'm wondering how did they get to the feds? That is a great question. Yeah. Uh, we'll have to come back to that. But but back to what you were saying about all the years that they're mm -hmm. getting. Because I was just looking at all of the things that these two got. Well, there's a third defendant in this case, too, that mm -hmm. just um, pled, pled guilty but hasn't been sentenced. But I'm looking at all the things that these guys did to get... 12 years and then I, I'm thinking about your case where mm -hmm. you got sentenced to 10 Man, for just for, four and a half for, right, right. not even four and a half ounces right, I think it right, weighed right. out to 90 98.8 yeah. grams these guys did so much more than what you did but they're only getting two more years does the numbers make sense to you? The numbers make sense to me because I was in the feds with a lot of bank robbers and, 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 and guys that robbed stuff, you know. So I was that's how I was able to talk to them. I, I didn't have gun allegations on mine, but I do know the gun in most cases, gonna, that's going to be a separate 60 months. Now you're dealing with your case. That's how the feds do it. The state, they're going to rack up charges on all kind of stuff and give you all kind of enhancement. The feds are going to go by their guidelines. 60 months for the gun, what do we have now? You know, now you're still dealing with criminal history because what you it, it's a chart, and the chart is you got the offense level going down. You have criminal history going across. So when you come down and connect those dots to what your criminal history is, these guys might have didn't didn't have an extensive criminal history. You know, because that usually would push you up. They probably didn't have any priors. That usually push you up. So therefore, they probably met in the middle. Twelve was a good deal. You know, I think 12 was a good deal for him. Yeah, for being 18 years old and 21, they probably had very limited criminal history. L limited criminal history. But the, the, on the flip side, though, by them being young, they might wind up at a USP or a FCI, you know, and that's where all the rocking and rolling is going. So, so let's talk about the difference between a USP and the FCI. One is higher than the other, right? Yeah, the USP, the United States Penitentiary, is on a higher level than the FCI. And you got a lot of lifers over there. I mean, you have lifers at both of them, but you got to have a, a lot of lifers. And they work on a point system. So say if you have a super criminal history and they change.
changed the point system right before I came home to made it to where the younger you are, the higher the level you go. So, you know, them guys laying on a USP, I mean, definitely they're going to have to be on their P's and Q's and they going to have nothing faulty about their background as far as their street credibility, you know. And uh, and uh, the Crips going to see to that as soon as they get there, you know. Who they know, they as soon as they already know about them, so as soon as they get there, they're going to, you know, check their background, make sure their paperwork straight, you know, because you can't live there if your paperwork not straight. Yeah. Now, what's the chances that uh, these two guys, Malik Powell and Kai McGee, will get sent to a camp, a federal camp? I slim and none. Why is that? For one, they too young. They got a gang. Uh, I mean, they have a gun uh, crime. You know, they have a a, um, a, um, a felony that requires the a violence. So the violence is going to kick them up. The age is going to kick them up. There's so many factors going to kick them up. I guarantee you they start no less than FCI. Okay, and that's one that's one level below USP. Yeah, and they could land there, and it's rocking and rolling there too. So you're going to get the same... You're gonna get treated the same, you know. You're gonna have to be on your on your on your gangster shit because, from what I hear, they they they're gang members. So once you touch there, you gonna they you gonna get hit up as soon as you come out the door, you know. And you're gonna have to be on your shit to, you know, walk them yards. Yeah, according to the the report here, they are a Harlem Thirties Crip, yeah. al allegedly. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and for for that, as soon as they let's let's say they go to is is this like the state where you go to a federal prison for reception and then get sent to where you're going? No, they gonna go straight to the yard from either MDC. They and they from Los Angeles, so they gonna go from MDC or Santa Santa um San Bernardino. They got a holdover in San Bernardino. Sometime after you get sentenced, they'll send you out there until you get ready to get shipped to the yard. But I mean, this the feds. They can get shipped across the country. You know, they can go to Lewisburg, they can go to Leavenworth, they can go to, I mean, there's so many places that they can land, and, and you know, and that's a whole different dynamic, you know what I mean? You land up in Marion, you land up in some of these spots where California ain't as thick as the, the other boys, you know, it's a whole lot of dynamics you're going to have to roll with, you know what I mean? So, um, you know, they in for a ride, you know, they in for a ride, but they sound like they some young, if they young, if they jumping out doing robberies like that, they some days, they gonna make it, they some young, tough little cats. They ready know? for this, huh? Yeah, yeah, Now, yeah. if these two guys could have called you up before they were getting shipped to the feds, um, right after they pled guilty, what advice would you give these two guys, one being 18, the other being 21? You know what, I wouldn't, because, I mean, well, the only advice would be like, man, your background straight. As long as your background straight, they'd be all right. You know what I mean? Because like I say, when they get there, if they cribs, the cribs going to embrace them and make sure they straight. You know what I mean? Make sure they got anything they need when they pull up. You know what I mean? And um, so it's it's not much advice I can do. Just, you know, just keep your nose clean. You know, ain't no stealing no shit. Ain't no, you know, you're going to be held accountable. You it's, When you're in there, there's nowhere to go. You know, like out here, how dudes can come to the neighborhood, shoot up the town, then go back to, you know, San Bernardino or something. And they didn't cause all this chaos out here. You can't do that in there. You know, you're going to have to be held accountable for what you come out your mouth, what you say and what you do. Now, I was reading the comment about the question you asked earlier about why is it a Fed case? Someone said they don't know why it's a Fed case. But this one person said, I'd rather do 12 years in the feds than 12 years in the state. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Not if you on that USP at all, depending where you at. I mean, if you at a low or a camp, oh, of course, no doubt, anybody would. Yeah. But it ain't no cakewalk at the, at the PN or at the MFCIs, man. I'm talking about it's a headache every day. You know, especially if you're doing Cali time, because you got, the, you know, so many. See, it's like, it's like some people say doing Fed time is better doing it out of state, you know, and uh, because everybody is, California is together, you know, opposed when you come home, because we opened Victorville, Victorville 2 Yard back in 05. So when we opened the yard, we had to set all the politics from scratch. 
I mean, where you sit, who sit where, you know. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Who's selling up with who? And the thing about it, all the all the boys, when they open up a new prison in California, that's the guys that's on the East Coast and the Midwest. That's their opportunity to get back home, see their families. You know, if new prison open, it's easier to make a move. So they put their bid in with their case managers and stuff to get back to California. But the only thing about it, when we get back to California, guess what we do? We get deep, and then that's when the separation comes. You know, when we out of town, it's California. Cribs, Bloods, Bay, you know what I mean? We, we we together, you know what I mean? But when you come back home to Cali, now you got all the Cali politics, you know what I mean? And that's a whole different monster within itself. Now, you said that you wouldn't really give much advice to these youngsters that are going to the feds. But at some point, they're going to be two years into their sentence, three years into their sentence, five years. Then they're going to be short to the house. Aren't there certain things you got to do? to get ready to come home and you should be hitting those marks as you go along? Depending on what yard you on. Cause see they young, they may never make it to a low. You know, I had the opportunity to make it to a low. You but know? okay, so so would you recommend someone, hey, you, you're gonna get sent to the FCI or USP, but you wanna you wanna get to a low. You wanna be yeah, you wanna try to keep some yeah. good conduct, you know, or not get caught doing stuff, not get caught smoking or gambling or whatever it is you do. And and so you can eventually get to the low. And then that's when you can do your time. Cause you gotta think they give you numbers, man. You finna do off that twelve, you finna do ten years, you finna do a decade. You damn sure don't wanna do it at the USP or at the FCR if you can if you can help it. Because it's really no it's no 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 down no 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 step down. You know, it's no step down to get ready to come home. You rocking and rolling until you leave out those joints. You know, you gang banging or you doing whatever you're doing until them gates open because there's no step down. And what it's supposed to be is after you do so much of your time and your points drop and stuff like that, you make it to a low and then that's when you can focus on coming home. That's when you can start, you know, trying to see what your make sure you got all your driver license, you know, your your social security card. You know, just trying to get you can start thinking about coming home. Long as you at the pen of the FCI, man, you thinking about making sure we straight on this yard or if a ride gonna go up or, you know, what's going on on this yard right now you're not even focused on the house at this moment you know and um i know a lot of guys you know at the pens and at the f's they don't even tell the dude when they going home you know and uh they live every day like it's like they've been living it you know until they time come but like i said they are fortunate enough to make it down to a low then you can focus on a little more on the on the getting home but that's up to you whether you make it to a low, right? It's up. Well, it's, it's just the, the, they got gun violence. See, for me, I was able to make it down to the low because when they changed the point system and made it that the younger you are, the higher level they wanted you to be. My violence went past 15 years because I had a robbery on my record. It, it was 15 years old, so that points dropped. I turned 36. Those points dropped. Um, I took a certain amount of classes. I got some points knocked off for that. So stuff that like the stars lined up for me. You know, and then my case manager, when, even when my points did drop to go to a low, my case manager, before he was a case manager, was the gang police at the, at the, at the, at the prison. So he knew me from taking me to the hole and this type of stuff, you know, for gang activity. So when he became my case manager, I'm like, shit. You know, I thought he was, he called me, he said, look, that was my job then. This is my job now. I said, well, check this out, man. I got low points, man. You know what I mean? I'm trying to get to the low. You know what he told me, Alex? You ain't ready for that. You know, straight up. And I had the, the 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 numbers to get there, but he knew me. You know, I'm still sweating people about their paperwork. Dude, you know, homies coming and, you know, rolling up hot dudes off the yard and, you know what I mean, getting separatees and, you know, because I'm living, you know, I'm at the, I'm living this life, you know. So when I finally made it to the low, I, found, I was like, this is what they was talking about. 
you know, just 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 a difference, you know. So um, they're definitely going to go. Like I say, they're young and and they got a, a violence on their case. They got a gun on their case. They may never make it to a low, and they just go have to ride their beard out, you know. Okay, I want to ask you about because you keep on talking about age. Age is very important in the federal system in terms of where you're going. These guys are very young, very young. twenty one and eighteen. Why the first part of this question is why is age important in terms of where the feds are going to place you, and do you agree that age should be used as a factor? Well, when I first went the, in when when I hit the yard in '05, it wasn't you know that that wasn't a, a, the, the criteria. They changed that criteria while I was in there, and I see why because the older we get, the more mature we get. The more time you do on these yards, these USP yards and these FCI yards, you know, the more you realize that a lot of this is some some bullshit. You know, when you trying to sit in here and make you a cheesecake or you trying to make you some fried shrimp fried rice because the homie done stole some shrimp from the from the kitchen, you know what I mean? And now all of a sudden the homie running in the unit saying such and such just got stabbed. You got to put your rice down, man, and go put your life on the line. So after you do that for so many years, you a little more wiser about the decisions you make. Them young dudes coming in there, oh, man, they fresh off the street. They hot. They know everything. They gang banging. They, you know what I mean? They want to fight. They want to be a part of, you know what I mean? Get they stuff in the, get they self in a situation that they don't know how serious it is in here. So, yeah, um, I mean, I'm not going to agree, never agree with <laughs> nothing the federal government is doing, uh, you know, as far as the prison system. But uh, but I, I can see why they put the youngsters up a little higher. And not to mention, you're going you're gonna to get checked as soon as you get where you're going. I don't, you, I don't care who you are. When you hit that yard, you know, you could be one of the baddest dudes, but there's some bad dudes there, you know. So um, I, I believe that's why they did it, you know. Now, you mentioned when you were on the yard, you was checking people's paperwork. You were sweating all the dudes that was hot. When, when Malik Powell and Kai McGee, let's say they get sent to a USP, are they going to have to show their paperwork? Are they going to check all of that? Oh, no, nah, no doubt. And see, but see, now they're trying to make it that much harder for people to get paperwork. You know, as you know, you you know, Pacer don't give you what they used to, and and um and um, but they have somebody on the streets checking. Plus, it may be some some you know wherever they from, whatever set they from, they may have some homeboys there. You know, and that's when I say their background need to be you know straight because you know make sure they don't have nothing else that happened in the hood that was super faulty that the g homies that they run into they cool with you know it's a lot of dynamic factors but yeah they gonna no doubt definitely you can't live here you know and that's going to be a crib issue you know what i mean it's, it's, you know that's going to be an issue that the cribs handle if some some allegedly if they from harlem if some of them there they gonna be on the front lines pushing it you know what i mean and yeah you're gonna have to you know it's mando now let's just say they get to a usp and there's no one on that yard that is from harlem and there's no one on that yard that's a west side crip could a crip from another set also check their paperwork oh, no doubt okay. it's crip business you know what i mean he could be from anywhere if he pushing that line like that he's gonna push it and and, and at the usp and the lci they definitely gonna push it i mean push it hard too so they'll figure out a way you know i used to have people send it to my wife had got a separate po box man she what are you doing in there you know what i mean and uh and uh we stayed on it you know we stayed on me can't let them slip through the cracks because that make us look bad as a whole you know, you got a hot homie running around the yard. Now, it's the difference when you get to the low. It's the total opposite because this is where the rats live at. You know <laughs> what I mean? The rats are some pedophiles, and this is where they send some of the mayors and, you know, politicians to. So when he told me that I wasn't ready to go to a low, dude, you just you just ran a dude off the yard, dude, and, we, and he told us you did it. You know what I mean? You know, so... 
um, how are you ready to go to the low where they actually live at? <laughs> and that's where the discipline comes in at. You know what I mean? If you want to go to a low, some dudes don't even want to go down there. But if you ever get your points down and you want to go to the low, it's going to be rats down there. You know, now what it is, though, it's a whole bunch of other solid dudes. And y'all just got to, y'all y'all click up and you, you can fuck with who you know that's solid. You know what I mean? And you going about your business. But 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 FCI and the pen, you know, they ain't having it. So so the low is sort of like what the state of California has, what's called an integrated integrated yard now. Exactly. Um, they got rats, yeah. rapists, but then they got people that's trying to come home. And they they solid, those, but they're coming yeah, down they to come, a two yard yeah, come, or a one yard. Exactly, exactly. So in the feds, the low is kind of a mixed bag of people. A mixed bag of people, but like I said, I done ran into some of the solidest dudes in the world at the low because they did, you know, 30 years, you know what I mean? You know, and, uh, and, um, and trying to get home, you know, trying to just make it home. They trying to file paperwork, you know, the bullshit they done did that for 20 years already. You know yeah. what I mean? And I know a lot of dudes that just couldn't get to a low. They points, the way they points were set up or their crimes were set up, their criminal history was set up, they would never have low points. You know what I mean? You know, so it's, it's just a variation of what it is. Okay. Um, give me some some last, last remarks before we move on to the next subject regarding uh, these two youngsters. And I mean, they, they're some youngsters that are about to go to either USP or FCI. Well, that's the thing about it. You know, they're going to do a decade off that 12, and um, they're young, man. They do it. They can do it. Now, is there any way that they can do less than a decade, like with a program? Because I remember with your case, your co-defendant also supposed to do the exact same time as you did, right. but he got a year off because of a program. Yeah, they had what they call the RDAP program. It's a, um, basically, it's a, pro a drug program. And what they do for the drug program is they um, give you a year off. You take this nine-month class, and they knock you off a year, you know. But you have to go in there and say, I had a marijuana problem. I had a severe drinking problem, you know, stuff like that. Because I had violence on my record, I wasn't um, I, I wasn't um, able to take that class and get that year off. But I do know a lot of homies that took it. It's a very tedious class, I heard, you know. and uh, and um, But I, was, I didn't have the opportunity to take it. So... Um, are there programs because these guys this is not a drug case no but they, they if they go if they if somebody told them before when they first got in there man say you use drugs you might can get the RDAP but you talking nine years from now you know what I mean some other laws could have came down the pipeline but that's really the only program that they had and you still only getting a year off you okay. know Hey, any right, right, off, right, right, right. If I right. get a year off of, right, of, right, of right. ten, that's just nine now. <laughs> but man, um, these guys are definitely gonna have to do probably a ten years for sure, minimum. No, nah, no doubt. They, like I said, they gonna do it. They young, but it's just the, the thing about it is, and that's what I say about a lot of guys. I hate to see these guys get this kind of time, and they never did two or three years before. You know what I mean? Because some of these dudes can do two or three years and be like, hold on, let me reevaluate the shit I'm doing. Yeah. You know, I'm just be honest with you. You know, so sometimes when some of these guys just get knocked in the head, they first case, Alex, they getting 10, 15, 20 years on a first real case. You know what I mean? And, 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 and some of them might have been to the PM for 16 months, but I'm talking about when you do that four or five years somewhere, you kind of kind of start thinking a little different. So I guarantee these guys, after they finish with this decade, you know, I think their perspective going to change a lot. You know. Now, um, did you go to a USP or a FCI when I went, you first went? I went to a FCI. I went to Victorville, and we opened Victorville, and like I say, uh, Victorville too. And uh, we had to set up all the politics. You know what I mean? And it was it was it was a little hectic. You know what I mean? But 
hey, you know, it was what it was. You know, I was at the forefront of making sure, you know, when the homies came in, they had um, stuff they needed. But at the same time, we used to take a, a package and all the homies would put an item in this package. So when the homie pull up, we got a big ass bag full of, you know, stuff people need. But before I used to hand them that bag, Alex, I look them in their eyes and, man, you you, you, your paperwork right, homie? You know what I mean? <laughs> and some dudes will just be like, I'm cool on the bag. You know what I mean? But now you got me, uh, you know, on the second investigation. You know what I mean? But but uh, it's it's that serious. You know what I mean? You, it's that serious, you know. So, But like I say, if you your background straight, you'll be fine. As long as you ain't on no rat, you'll be cool. Yeah, that seems to be like the uh, the number one issue, right, for, for people that are doing the time. Man, I mean, it's a lot of people out there. Alex took a lot of time. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. Like I said before, when I got 10, I felt like I beat them. You know, when I hit the yards, you know what I mean? They, FG, what they do with you? So I beat them, homie. Oh, you got the dime? You know what I mean? That's how they feel. That's crazy. And you running the dudes that, like you say, had life sentences. You know what I mean? That they didn't even just talk to talk to you until they warmed up to you and you know saw that you were kind of person you were but it was man dude doing a lot of time man so you yeah know. let's let's um well I, we, we know this 18 year old dude ain't never done no serious time right right he's young. just too young yeah it's possible that um malik powell may, may have done you know 16 months before uh he he's young but not too young to where he hasn't been to prison before right right he definitely could have been do you feel that because you had a couple of stints in state prison before you went to the feds did that prepare you or help you understand what it was going to be like for you for the next eight and a half years? No, because I didn't do long enough. You know what I mean? By the time I got in there and, you know, and I'm, I'm, I went in 1920, by the time I get in there and banged it out with the homies, it was time to come home. You know, so I, I, that's where I say if you haven't did that four or five, you know, sometime even that three, but really like that four or five mark, if you, if you didn't do that kind of time yet, those twos and 18 months and 16 months, that ain't going to do nothing for you. You know <laughs> what I mean? To be honest, to be just total honest with you. So um, they not prepared for the. I mean, I ain't going to say they not prepared, but it's a whole different mental challenge, you know, because I don't know if these guys are robbing somebody because their mom was on dialysis and they needed to do something to feed the family. You don't know if they was robbing somebody because their little sister was trying to get a a, 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 a kidney transplant. Or, you, know, you don't know what the background issue is or what these guys are really trying to get some money for. But now you done took, you done took yourself off the street so you can't help your family if that's what, what you was trying to do. Maybe you was trying to, you know, do something really that's... Um, that was really like for real in your life, you know, and now you can't do it at all because you're going to be going away a long time, you know, and then I, I think the heavier toll is what condition is your family in when you leave, you know, and is, is mom going to make it till I get home? And if is, is, is grandpa's going to make it till I get home, you know, and that's some of the factors that, that, that you factor in when you're doing that kind of time, you know. So like I say, physically, these dudes is young. I think they can go do a decade standing on their head. But it's the other factors in their life. Will they have somebody to come visit them or send them money? Or, you know, it's, it's a lot of other factors involved that make their time, you know, harder or e a little easier than, than what it could be, you know. Now, when you were in Victorville, that was kind of good for you because you could have family come visit you and travel shorter distances. Exactly. Let's say they sent you to Marion. What would life be different if they sent you to a fed federal penitentiary across the country? Well, they sent me to Latuna, the, Texas. Um, it wasn't Marion. It wasn't Illinois. It wasn't Leavenworth. It wasn't Kansas. It wasn't Lewisburg and Pennsylvania. But it was still a, a plane ride. You know, and then your family have to um, um, prepare for that. 
you know, you had to prepare for that. And luckily, I, I had money, you know what I mean? And, and uh, But all that money you saved up from selling drugs, you know, at the 10 years, you know, when you come home, unless you had some millions put up, you know what I mean? You know, it's depleted because you're still trying to take care of your kids. You're still trying to give them a Christmas or or, or whatever, you know, um, birthdays and stuff like that, you know. So, um, but what about the guy that don't have it like that? You know, he just out of town. No luck, you know, got to work the prison jobs to try to take care of yourself. Maybe try to start hustling in the pen, you know, to try to make something move. You know what I mean? Was the stealing food out the kitchen or, you know, selling it or whatever you got to do, you know, hustlers going to make it happen, you know, when it comes to the survival, you know. But it, it, it is, it's definitely a toll, you know, on your family because I didn't get to see my kids that time when I, you know, the time that I was in Texas. It's just luckily they opened up a new prison and, um, and uh, Fresno called Mendota. And like I say, every time they open up a prison in California, that's your best way to get home. Because everybody hates to open up new prisons. So it's really so tedious, but that's your only way to get back home. So I was able to get right back. I was only in Texas probably about 13 months, and I was able to come back home. But I didn't see my kids that whole 13 months because, you know, to, to ship them out there and hotels and rental cars and, you know, that sort of thing. That's a toll on the family, man. Do you think there's any uh, deliberate, is it done deliberately to send some people further away from where they consider home or is it it's just the way the system works in terms of placing you in different penitentiaries? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a drop of the hat. You can request your judge to ask you to be staying in California. That don't always work. And then don't get me wrong, some dudes really like going out of state and doing their time because you do better time because there's less politics than in, than in California. Like I say, when you at home and 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 and. California prisons, oh man, it's it's oh, it's a headache every day. Somebody know because there's so many homies. You know what I mean? So many crips, so many blood, so many power rules, so many you know. So it's so many issues. You know what I mean? And 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 uh, but when you like I say, you go out of town, it's California. You know, so the time a little easier. Yeah, it might be harder on your family, but you the one ultimately got to do this time. All right, man. I could talk to you about this topic yeah, yeah, for a whole yeah. other let's thirty minutes, but let, let's move on to the Snoop Dogg situation because um, about a week and a half ago, it was reported that Snoop Dogg now owns Death Row Records, mm -hmm. and I was doing a little research on it, and it looks like he owns the brand, but not the music, not the catalog, not the Tupac songs, not his songs, not oh. Dre songs. Oh, okay. I thought he bought it all. Um, make sure you put that mic right in front of you. Mm. Um, well, he definitely didn't buy it all, mm. but I think that's the goal. I think that's the plan. That's the goal. What do you think of Snoop Dogg on this venture to, I guess, fully acquire Death Row Records? Well, I mean, if he owned the brand, he definitely can do what he want to do over there as far as music and merchandise and all that sort of thing. I'm going to be honest with you. When I first heard about it, uh, I was, I was, I was cool with that. I was like, man, that's what's up. Why not? I mean, he helped build the brand from scratch. You know what I mean? So why not Snoop? Why not Dre? Why not the West Coast? You know what I mean? So I, I was I was all for it, just to be honest with you. I'd rather see him. I mean, who else? Who else? I mean, if you be honest with you, him or Pac and Pac gone, you know what I mean? Dre got a, his own dynamic, you know, aftermath, you know what I mean? Who else, man? You yeah. know what I mean? So I was, I was, I, I kind of smiled when I heard that he uh, did that. You know, that was, that was, that's what's up. Well, according to Variety Magazine, they say that terms of the transaction were not disclosed, but Snoop's acquisition of the Death Row brand mm -hmm. is the first part of a transaction that is expected to see him also acquire 
some of the label's music rights. Some, mm-hmm. some of the label's music rights in the future. So that right there pretty much tells you that it's 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 the name, it's the brand. He he now can put Death Row on a shirt and sell it, mm-hmm. or put some new artists out and make money off of it. Or as you were showing me, there's a beer now with a Death Row label yeah, on yeah. it. But in terms of the the catalog, he does not have that yet. Yeah, but let me tell you this, Alex. I think it's rappers out there fighting, not even just rappers, artists, period, out there fighting for Snoop to sign them. I really think, you know, without his old catalog, without the catalog, I think he can turn this into like a major, major record label. You know what I mean? I, I mean, you know, and I think he will. I mean, everybody want to come rap for Snoop, be on his label. They feel he a fair dude. You know what I mean? So... I got it blowing up. I, I got it really, just to be honest with you. I mean, you know, Dre don't, is not putting out music like that no more. So, man, I think he might become one of the one of the biggest record labels around, to be honest with you. Well, the first thing he's got to do if he wants to do it, um, do this with music, he's got to find some talent. He needs to find some artists. Yeah, but That's the hardest thing to do. But they don't have to be artists from scratch. You could take a platinum selling artist right now that's not signed to another label and sign him. You know, and 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 take flight from there. Uh, Mozzie just signed with uh, who was that? Yo Gotti or somebody? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. And um, before that, Snoop might have grabbed it. If Snoop had had this, be Snoop by a hey, Mozzie. Come on, Death Row. You know what I mean. Mozzie a platinum selling uh, uh, guy. You know, so it, it don't have to be a from scratch artist. Even though I know that's probably one of the goals. You know what I mean for somebody to be like Snoop, his first uh, record label. You know, and and take flight from there, but he don't have to get new talent in order to make that label successful. Well, yeah, uh, I hope that uh, he does sign some artists. I want to see Death Row Records try to reach the the pinnacle that it did in the 1990s when they had Pac, Snoop, Dre, uh, and then there was a lot of other artists that they didn't really push as hard, like Lady of Rage, yeah, um, OFTB. Yeah, you had Eastwood over there. You had uh, Crooked Eye over there. You had yeah, you had some guys over there. You had Danny Boy and all them over there. And like you say, everybody wasn't pushed like that. Now, you told yeah. a story on your YouTube channel recently of trying to get some of the homies from, from the neighborhood over there and see if they can uh, you know, get a little something popping over yeah, no there. Doubt. Whatever happened with, with those guys? Um, well, Infrared has his own. He's out there. You know, his, his music is on all platforms. Uh, Big Tup, he's, um, his, songs, his music is on all platforms, but he's, you know, it's, it's been... It, Tup not rapping like he used to. He not putting out, you know, uh, uh, music like he used to. And uh, and then Too Swift, he just got back home. Too Swift is in the studio actually right now. Too Swift just sent me a song the other day, man. He's still hard, you know what I mean? And and uh, but at the same time, you know, the guy started to get up in age. You know, hmm. the opportunity, the window for opportunity is 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 only you know they want these young guys now you know but uh but uh infrared infrared which is dj quick's nephew he's he's doing his thing he's touring he's you know he's doing good but you're trying to push them back in the 90s right before oh no doubt i took them up to death row they did a man they did a nice couple hits for suge man and and uh and um I told a story about how I took him up there and, and we went got to the studio and uh hutch was i think hutch was producing something so um so suge say f they got, I'm going to put the beat on. They got 30 minutes to write their verse. And uh, I was like, damn, I don't know if they can do, you know, to myself, I'm like, damn, I don't know if they can get that done like that. 
man, they handled that, man. You know what I mean? And Suge loved the song, and we went on to one of his uh, family members' uh, birthday party. He said, look, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to slide it in between a couple death row hits and see, you know, if the crowd still stay bumping it. Man, they played that song. It was people dancing on chairs, man. I'm talking about it was, it was, a, it was a hit. And um, and uh, it just, we never got a chance. And when we sit down in the office and Suge asked me, what did I want? You know, like I said, at the time, I wasn't a manager. I wasn't really in the music game. I told I just wanted the little homies to be... Um, and a bunch of you come to him, uh, pull up on me, hey, LG, let me get to him. You know what I mean, man? You got too much stuff you're doing. You got the club, you're doing this and that. Let me get him. I take care of him. You know what I mean? And, but I want to just make sure to, like I told Suge at the desk, man, I just wanted to make sure the little homies get they, and these is Paru homies. It's no reason they shouldn't at least get a shot on your label if they got the talent. That's my whole thing. I'm not just because just they homies. No, these dudes had the talent. You know what I mean? So, But it never, it was a lot going on at the time. Like you said, they had platinum selling artists and it was on the back end of the death row um, era. So, I, I, like I told Suge, I, I want that song of you, man. I don't know. I know you got to put up some because it was never published or nothing. So, he got it somewhere, man. Well, I don't know if you've ever been able to get that music. Right, right, he, right. He's in the middle of um, serving 27 years right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, he's a little tied up Yeah, right he's now. tied up yeah, right now. Yeah. Was, was these um, homies a group, or were they separate solo artists? Well, the thing about it, I took them down there as, as not so much as a group, because say if he would have liked one and didn't like the other two, or say if he would have liked two and not made like the other one, homie, I gained, brought y'all up here, y'all got y'all shot, this who he wanted, you know, but the other homie will a, a feature you when he get a chance, or put you on a song with him so you can get some exposure. You know, that was the, the, the conversation that was had. You know, everybody might not make it, but eventually you can get on a song with the dude and get you a little exposure and keep on pushing from your angle. You know what I mean? So... So all three of them are still doing their thing? All of them still rapping. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. maybe the, um, maybe they can still get on death row now. Well, you know, Infrared and Snoop is tight. Super tight to the point to where Infrared opened up for Snoop on, on plenty of occasions. You know what I mean? He and Snoop videos. And so Infrared may just get a shot over there. You know, so if you ever hear the name Infrared, you know, that's the homie from Treetop. You know, he's he's a good little homie, man. Okay. I was always thinking about this purchase in the context of Harry O because it's it's believed and, and I believe that he was very instrumental in the success of Death Row in the early years, even though he was in prison at the time. Right. He's free now. Yeah, no, Harry O out on the street doing his thing. He a businessman, always been one. So it don't surprise me that Harry O making moves, you know. I don't know exactly what he got going, but I know Harry O is is he gonna he definitely gonna make some moves. That's just in his nature. Now he got sensed he was doing time in the state, but then he went straight to the feds. Um, during the time when I think you were in the feds, yeah, did yeah. you guys ever cross paths? No, I didn't cross Harry Yo. I ran across the homies. Man, I was up there with Harry Yo, or I was here and there. And people would be surprised how small that federal community is from coast to coast. You know, like I said, you can't hide, you can't get away. People are going to know where you at. You know what I mean? So it's more or less like when people hit the yard, you finna get all of whoever was at that last yard. You know. So, but I had a few homies that ran into Harry Yo. Now, about a, a year or two ago, the the Death Row catalog was sold. For uh, it was sold as a part of a six hundred million dollar deal, um, which was owned, which is owned by Hasbro. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see here. It says here, according to a report, uh, L.A.-based label Death Row Records, which is owned by Hasbro, may be sold as part of a sale of the label's umbrella company, Entertainment One. Now this was uh, over a year ago, mm -hmm. and this deal was a six hundred million dollar deal. Dang. So. I don't. I mean, I know Snoop got money, 
but I don't know how much money he got well, for, thing, for that, you know? Right, right, right. But from what my understanding was, was they bought a block of companies, you know, and the company they really wanted came with all the rest of these companies attached to it. So they start offloading some of the other companies. And to me, it was seemed like it was inevitable that they was going to do the same with Death Row. Yeah, definitely. Death Row in this deal, Death Row was a part of other companies. Um, but I don't know uh, how. Well, actually, it says here the the death row part may be worth 18 million but it's it's real complicated but yeah, the whole yeah, hasbro yeah. the hasbro purchase, purchase yeah. 4 billion yeah. 4 billion dollars yeah. um so i don't know where i don't know the fate of the music catalog i'm mm-hmm. sure snoop just wants to get just give me the music just just right, give me those right, albums right. Oh, no doubt yeah. i mean and, and and rightfully so i mean i'm sure he won and he probably eventually get them it's probably just a process that they got to go through now, and in my thinking, since Harry O came home, I'm thinking Harry O was hollering at Snoop saying, let's do this. Uh, like, I feel like he's the man behind the scenes that's trying to make all this happen. Um, do you, cause, but in all these articles, there's no Harry there's O no mention. Harry o mention. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's none of that mentioned. But just I, I just got a feeling that Harry O maybe have his hand in this. You know what? It's possible, but I don't want to speculate. Yeah. You know, but it's possible and, and you'll know. You know, soon enough, we'll know. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, hey, man, let's wrap up episode number two, Streets and Scholars. I want to let everyone know that we are available on your favorite podcast platform. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, and wherever you like to listen to podcasts. And we'll also take questions. If you if you have a question you want to send in that you want FG or myself to, to answer, you can just hit us up. I'm on Alex. I'm at Alex Alonso one zero one at all. I mean at all social media platforms, and FG, you're on Instagram at F General one. No doubt. F General one on Instagram. Hit us up, and that wraps up episode number two, and we'll be dropping new episodes every Thursday. So please keep on the lookout.